Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, it's Jamie from 20 Minute Tims here. How are we all coping? How are we doing with the social distancing, the social isolation? Um, hope you're following the rules. Hope you're still washing your hands. It has been 100 years since the last Celtic game, um, or it feels like it, at least not just a month or so that it has been. So as promised, we are going to release periodically on this feed, the one you're listening to right now, um, some Patreon content, just a sample to let you guys know what we do over at Patreon if you're not already part of it. Um, and we'll do that periodically up until we typically finish up the end of the season towards the end of May. So what I have here for you is what we call the classic match companion. It's something we do on Patreon quite often. What we do is we let our patrons pick a match, we go back and analyse that match and talk about it as live. Um, This one was voted for by the patrons, they chose it themselves. It is the match companion from Celtic nil, Art Media Bratislava 5, when Celtic crashed out under Gordon Strachan to Art Media. That absolutely horrendous, embarrassing, despicable performance is what we sat down and analysed, and honestly, it's very, very entertaining. So make yourself comfortable, sit down, and get ready to relive one of the most shambolic nights in Celtic football history. Um, April is shaping up to be the biggest month ever on Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com slash 20minutetims, and it couldn't be more straightforward. We have two available tiers for around two quid a month. You get a sample of our Patreon content. You go there and enjoy the podcasts and things that we put out. And for about £4 a month, you get the whole lot. And April, as I said, is shaping up to be the biggest month ever in terms of output. So sit back, relax, enjoy this, and we'll be back with you very soon. This is a Patreon episode of 20 Minute Tims. This is a classic match companion and I am joined just this episode with by Stephen. <sighs> Stephen, yep, that I'm is here. <laughs> the sound of enthusiasm. <laughs> the reason, Stephen, you are making that noise is because we've done something a bit unusual in this episode, <laughs> didn't we? Yes, we did. Uh, now, the question on everyone's lips listening to this is, what in the blood of Jesus are you thinking <laughs> about here doing this episode? So let's, well, I suppose we have conducted something of a, a social experiment, a psychological experiment, if you will. With I think, uh, it's a, I think it's a podcasting first as well. I don't think I've ever seen... Well, the History Boys sometimes put up a poll, didn't they, to let right, people yeah. choose podcasts? But certainly we've never put no, up a no, poll never. to decide which podcast to let people choose. First Brexit and now this. This is why you don't put things <laughs> to public vote. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the idea here was that, right, it's a quiet week or an international week. We need to, do, we need to give the... the Patrons yes. some solid gold content, so why don't we let them decide? And the idea behind this was that we were going to put two very different plates in front of them. It was a sort of devil on the shoulder versus angel on the shoulder, yes. right? Which one do you want? Let's have a, a, a delve into the psychology of our patrons. You know, and I'm happy if you want to, you know, you know, let the patrons know in this scenario, who was the devil and who was the angel? <laughs> yes, it's you were the devil in here, but I, I wasn't against that. I thought the, the good nature of our patrons would shine through in the end. <laughs> do you want to watch, or do you want us to watch the... The 1997 League Cup final of Wimby Anson's first trophy. Mm. Oh, lovely. All unicorns and, and magic. <laughs> or do you want to roll around in some shit for yes. an hour? <laughs> Here's what you could have won. You could have won a really good time with Wimby Anson's <laughs> first trophy. Or, of course, you could have the game that they ultimately did choose. Uh, Art Media Bratislava, <laughs> as they were then, 5 Celtic nil. Oh, my word. Where to start with this one? Now, my memories of this game are 
light, to be perfectly honest. I don't remember much about it at all. I don't even remember really who played. I don't remember, like... The only player I remember who definitely played was David Marshall because the story around that time was that Arthur Boric had signed on yep. loan, I believe, initially, and didn't make it into this team. And then that became a huge part of the narrative afterwards, should have played Arthur Boric. The thing I remember most about it was going back to my work the next day. Mm. Um, that This is the closest I've ever come. I don't think I've ever done it, uh, but the closest I've ever come to just no going in, just <laughs> phoning a sickie. I, I had a, a job many years ago, well, 2005 to, to be exact, that uh, before I was an international podcast superstar, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I worked with an awful lot of Huns, and we're talking deepest, darkest Ayrshire Huns, oh uh, guys feel like Greenock and all that as well, which isn't that honey, but there was a lot of a lot of hands floating around and I couldn't face it. I, I genuinely could barely drag myself in. I just kept my head down the whole day and just took whatever came to me, basically. Mine was a lot calmer than yours, Stephen. Yeah. It, was, it was actually a, a really nice time because I watched this game. I remember this one quite vividly, which is unusual for me for Celtic games. Probably why I chose it. Um, <laughs> on the steps outside Flamingos at Santa Ponza. Oh, right, right. Of course, that's come up on a, a number of podcasts before, yeah. Aye, because uh, this is always about, this must have been about the time where we must have taken our summer holidays every July, year. Late July, wasn't it? Y- yeah. Younger brothers and sisters would have been in school at this time. I think I'd maybe just left. I don't know. Anyway, aye, I watched this one in, at Flamingos and <laughs> and we were, we were talking about it. Obviously, we've got the group chat and we're just chatting before this. We sat down to record and it's quite vivid because I can still remember the newspaper headline about Martin O'Neill leaving and it was the bank yeah. paper and it was Martin out, Gordon in and I was like devastated. I was like, <laughs> Gordon Strachan, seriously? Well, that's uh, that's an important part of tonight's yeah. podcast here. We have to try and capture what was the the feeling, uh, capture a bit of the... Yeah, just the, the feeling ar- around this game was not great because I feel like when we go and watch this just now, it's going to be like some sort of horrifying fever dream from the O'Neill years because obviously we've been deep into the O'Neill years we've been recording stuff round about September 2000 Mm -hmm. that's what we've been doing in previous episodes and now it's like we've just fast forwarded we've woken up from (laughs) this like hazy nightmare where wait a minute I I just dreamt that Martin O'Neill left Gordon Strachan came in of all people and we've just been pumped 5-0 off some Slovakian team (laughs) so I feel like that's that's what's going to be like but yeah you're right Martin O'Neill had gone Absolutely nobody wanted Gordon Strachan in because he had been a bit of an antagonist of Celtic fans in the past. He wasn't popular as a player, um, although he was a very good player. Fans didn't like him at all when he was at Aberdeen, of course. So, yeah, Strachan had come in. He was in a bit of the managerial wilderness as well because he'd done this unusual thing where he'd just left Southampton. Right. um, And... I, I don't know why I remember Gordon Strachan so vividly his time at the Celtic. It must have just, I don't know, imprinted on me. Yeah. Um, he, he took a year out of football, remember very famously, there's this thing, how right. he took it, and he went and studied other sports, he went to Australia and watched their rugby team and cricket team, and he, he studied all these other sports to find out how they how their managers operated, and then he sort of came back, this new guy with new ideas, um, and people were really, really questioning that as well, like a guy just, you know, if he's a football manager, why is he taking a year out of the yeah. game to go and do other things, he should be in demand, um, and especially, like you say, after the highs of, of, of having Martin O'Neill. It was a real... A real changing of the guard because a lot of the players had left as well. Uh, not that a few signings had been made, but they were you know, unimpressive to say the least. Was striking. They'd undergone pre-season at this point. I think they drew all four games that they played in pre-season. Three of them are nil nil, as far as I remember. Um, this was only well one competitive game, but they didn't really count. They played the cup final after Black Sunday. Yeah. So we're rolling straight from that into this. And feelings were not high at the at the time. You mean, you mentioned the you mentioned the signings. It was definitely a, you know a changing of the guard because just to to put a bit of perspective and the, the players who'd left you know outgoing we'd lost a he must have been club captain at the time Paul Lambert. He he finished at that point. Was a player manager at Livingston or something he for was, a couple of seasons? He yeah. went to Livingston. We lost Kamara, Janino. Bellamy went back on loan. I mean, you're not really you're not really crying over the loss of Momo Silla, but he <laughs> left, so did Rob Douglas. Jackie McNamara, I remember there was a thing about his career. It um, was all very his contract rather. Yeah, it was all very um, acrimonious towards the end with Jackie McNamara. He had just played his testimonial yeah. a couple of year, a couple of weeks before this, or the, towards the end of the previous season. And then maybe I think it was made clear to him that he wasn't wanted. Gordon Strachan just didn't want him, so he get tired of waiting around for any kind of 
new contract and just left to, I think it was Wolves, Jackie McNamara Wolves, went to. Yeah. Wolves, aye. Uh, oh, Honcho left, Lawson left, Magnus Hedman left, and, you know, sadly, David Fernandez also left. Oh, no. uh, he left in that window, and you said, and you said uh, Gordon Strachan brought in some of his own players, and there was a lot of hype about one guy in particular, about because Nakamura had signed. Of course, yeah. I remember that being the joke at the time when <laughs> he had basically signed and he was on his way. There was a few work permit things to be worked out, but basically his plane was going to be changing direction halfway through yeah. this game. Because I remember that at the time. Didn't know not, I didn't really know anything about Nakamura, but it seemed it seemed very exotic. It seemed bold at the time. A Japanese midfielder playing in Italy. What could possibly go wrong with this? This sounds brilliant. I don't know when forums started, Celtic forums started, but mm. this is definitely about the time I started, you know, finding the huddle board and, yeah. and Kerry Deal Street and all that sort of stuff. And, and definitely about the time like YouTube videos of players oh, started yeah. appearing because another guy we signed was Zorovsky. Um, mm. And I remember there was like YouTube clips of him firing around the internet. And he's the first Celtic player I can remember, him and Nakamura, who were having the YouTube, who, who you were seeing YouTube clips of yeah. before they actually arrived. So that was kind of the famous thing about him was that he had a terrible haircut. Yeah, I don't had the duck's ass, the kind of weird <laughs> tapered tail. thing across the <laughs> eye. Um, the famous thing about him when he signed was that he had scored at the Bernabeu in the Champions League for Vizla, Vizla Krakow, oh, I think. Yeah, yeah. He scored against Real Madrid in the Champions League. So, again, what could possibly go wrong here? This actually, guy's obviously a world beater. I just thought Zorowski was a decent enough player. He never yeah, seemed he was, to, yeah. He never seemed to set the absolute header alight in Scotland, he was, but he was a decent player. He was just fine. I think he was a good player. He wasn't he wasn't great. This was this was in the post Larson and, and then subsequently Bellamy era. There was a bit of a, again, as we say, changing of the guard. Sutton and Hartson were kind yeah. of at the end of, when Zoravsky was... Was, he was he was all right. I think did he score twenty goals in his first season and then Something kind of like fell that, off. Yeah. It's similar to Vinegar of Esslink, probably in that way. But no, he was fine. But it was a he was pitched straight into this game, wasn't it? I think this was this was his debut. There was a, there was a number of debuts in this game. Paul Telfer, another right. signing, made his debut. This was obviously Gordon Strachan's first game as Celtic manager. Yeah, competitive. Uh, Mo Kamara made his debut. Um, yep, uh, Neil Lennon made his debut as captain That's in this right, game. Yeah. Uh, and Zorowski made his debut as well as Jeremy Aliadier. Aliadier come off the bench. But shall we shall we rewind a wee bit? Shall we not get ahead of ourselves and zoom back? Yeah, because what, what year is it? It's uh, 2005, so it's that 27th of July 2005. 2005. This was played so 14 years Just ago. Just before we rewind, I need to ask you something very serious. And another reason I chose this game. Have you, much like we did with Seville, have you watched this game since? Oh God, no. I've, I mean, I've no. Not, I don't even remember anything. I don't remember the goals. As I said earlier, I don't remember any players who played in it. Basically, apart from having looked at the lineup, just I don't remember anything about it. Not, it was, nor have I. It was erased from the memory bank shortly afterwards. But what I do remember from this <laughs> this period was in the UK charts, still oh, knocking about in the top forty. Hit me with it. Hollaback Girl by Gwen Stefani. Tune. One of my most hated songs of all time. Tell me if you remember this. It was absolutely Ain't atrocious. No, back, uh, no, no, not that. Not right, the, yeah. the following, the next song I'm going to mention, Slow Down by Bobby Valentino. That's the one. That one. Yes, it was run about then. You hate that song? Terrible. It was run about that time. I just hate that kind of R&B slow jams commercial R&B. Usher was enough. Didn't need Bobby Valentino. Don't need Neo. Don't need um, Mario. Yeah, yeah. All these wee guys. Omarion. Oh, Omarion, yeah. aye. Usher was plenty. Yes. Axel F by Crazy Frog. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Crazy Chick by Charlotte Church. Remember she had a kind of... Oh, a pop revival yes, she was thing. famous for the gospel stuff and kind of opera singing and all that, but she tried to get a wee bit more edgy and be... And be I, don't, I don't know, like Crazy Chick was her, her big quote-unquote hit Ghetto Gospel by a since nine years dead two-pack featuring Elton John now R.I.P. I have watched a number of documentaries and read some books about two-pack not convinced he would have been all that happy about being paired with Elton John nine years after his death no was he not a big rocket man fan (laughs) (laughs) number one on the day though right go for it James Blunt You're Beautiful you know what? I hate James Bond's music, but I do like him on Twitter. Oh, he's funny. He's, he's, he's funny. He's, he's very he's, self-aware. Aye. Aye. Uh, and uh, Feel Good Inc. by Gorillaz, featuring aye, uh, De La Soul. That was out that time as well. So that, that's the music. Again, the, all the highlights, I'm sure you'd agree. Because what we like to do on this podcast is when we're talking about a game in the past, we like to paint a cultural yeah. collage. Take you right back to the day. It's as if you feel like you're there. The films that were out at the time, March of the Penguins. 
don't know it. It was. Was that like a documentary? Yeah, it was. Ah, right, it was aye. quite literally a, a march of some penguins with uh, Jim Carrey. No, that no, was something that else. That was Mister Popper's penguins. Uh, Who was the? You know your penguins. <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Morgan uh, Freeman did the voiceover. But of course, yeah. Wedding Crashers. A classic. Rob Zombie film, The Devil's Rejects. Uh, uh, another well. absolute. Hell ride of a film, enjoyed that. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, Juice Bigelow, European Gigolo came no, out as well. No, not as good as Juice Bigelow, male Gigolo. <laughs> that was the best one. The game was sadly played one week after legendary WWF personality Lord Alfred Hayes died. Oh. You know, the sort of blunderous uh, English interviewer backstage. Yeah. He, was, he, was, he was well on by that point. He was kind of <laughs> around in the late 80s, early 90s. The game was played while... Series six of Big Brother was currently on Channel Four, but they've been at that point as well. I've, I, I can't really. I, I think I only ever watched one series of Big Brother. Um, yeah, you get you get it from that. I it's basically same. But do you know what I watched recently? I watched Dead Set. You know the Charlie Brooker zombie thing. No. Oh, oh yeah, yes, yes. I'd never yeah, watched yeah. it at the time, and, I, and then I, I rewatched it last week, and I was like, "This is nostalgic as fuck because <laughs> because it's all Big Brother contestants that are in it." The the series six of Big Brother was. I think it was won by that we. Geordie Spice Boy Anthony something or other but it's mainly remembered for housemate Kinga masturbating with a bottle of wine in the oh, garden grotesque. remember that I remember that <laughs> lovely Abs. I wonder what she's up to now uh, I know <laughs> it's a wonder it stayed on the air after that oh, I'm pretty yeah. sure they showed some of it as well Jesus so that's 2005 <laughs> those, those are the high spots I suppose it wouldn't be culture without discussing fashion and the fashion at this time was Celtic were wearing that sort of I actually quite like this strip. It was like yeah. the Nike one, very baggy. These strips for some reason, yeah. Um, sort of, it was all green, just an all green away with sort of yellow. Was it yellow flecks at the top? Uh, yeah, yeah. There was definitely yellow. There was something on the sort of between the shoulder blades as well. Maybe a couple uh, of lines, a yeah. couple of tapering lines. It's a a good strip that as well, but. Oh. Unfortunately, it was part of both this game and Clyde. Yes. And I'm sure the patrons will vote for that at some point as well. <laughs> yeah, well, we <laughs> must, we have to put that one up. This could become a recurring theme. Oh, you know, yeah. if we, what we should do is next time we do it, we put on one glorious win and one horrendous defeat and just let the patrons <laughs> choose what they want to do. Um, back to the game. This game was actually managed. There was a few little connections here I managed to dig up. This game was managed by father of Arch Hun and all-round internet meme creator, Vladimir Weiss. Oh, of course. The most thirsty, desperate little hun on the internet. Oh, God. Uh, he was um, he was kind of like their Nacho Novo, but yeah. but also they had Nacho Novo. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he was one of those guys, he was kind of also like He was the Craig Bobby Bellamy. Valentino to Nacho Novo's <laughs> usher. <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of like their Craig Bellamy as well, in that every time he moved club, he was coming back. Like yeah. For the rest of his career, he was going to come back to Rangers. And again, this is when, like, on, not at this time, but Twitter as well, because he joined Rangers much later, but on Twitter he was just relentlessly, ah, I hate Celtic, not mate. <sighs> Nobody cares. I know. Absolutely. Have you not got enough money to distract your things with other hobbies? Did he end up in one of these sort of uh, tawdry, like, Middle Eastern deals, like where he went and get, did he not end up playing in some, like, Qatar or something like that? He did, mate. He did. He ended up <laughs> in Qatar. He's had, basically had no career whatsoever, so it's <laughs> right. no wonder he's absolutely thirsty for Rangers. Man City came from as well, weirdly. Huh? Man City was on loan at Bolton, Rangers, Espanyol, then he played for Piscara, Olympiacos, and two teams from Qatar that I wouldn't even begin to no. try and pronounce. So that was a uh, that was that. And also at the club at the time, Art Media Bratislava, not only Vladimir Weiss's dad, but also Lubos Kaminar. Now you <laughs> may not remember him. But Celtic he, legend. Uh, we uh, Neil Lennon actually brought him to the club on loan. Keeper, yeah. Keeper yeah. made no appearances for right. us. I don't even remember him really ever making the bench uh, in 2012. So that's really the connections that we've got. All right. these snippets I managed to find before this game. Um, so if you don't know, this is a classic match companion, much like the match companions we do for live games. Um, we pick a game we've not seen for a long time. We have the pre-match thoughts, yes, which is now we go away, we watch the first half, we come back, and then we report on it, and then we watch the, the remainder of the second half, and we report on that too, and we give you our unadulterated thoughts. Yeah. And see all that stuff about music and films and all that. Enjoy that, because it's about to get dark yes. from here on in. Yes. I suppose we, we should probably give the, the Celtic lineup, not not that it matters too much. Yes, <laughs> now, Stephen, the Celtic lineup for now. This was UEFA Champions League 2005-2006 season Second qualifying round, mm -hmm. Art Media beat a team called Kiryat Almaty, um, who, their name rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, I think they're a kind of perennial 
I qualifiers effort, yeah. I think they played Aberdeen a couple of years ago. Right, so, yeah. so this was Celtic's second qualifying round for the Champions League, first game for Gordon's tracking. What was the lineup? Well, we had David Marshall in goals because, you know, Boric hadn't quite made it yet. Mm-hmm. I think he was he, he was actually on the bench. And I remember all the chat afterwards about how he basically should have played Boric. I think it may have just been kind of desperate, just kind of floundering around looking, yeah. for, looking for reasons. A back four of Telfer, Balde, Varga and Mo Kamara making his debut. Also, so, so is Telfer. Now, this is where it gets tricky because we've got Thompson, Lennon and Petrov, Hartson, Sutton and Zorovsky, which I can only assume is Thompson on the left, Lennon in the centre, Petrov in right midfield and then maybe Sutton just behind the two of Hartson yeah. and Zorovsky. Right? Yeah. I, I, all will become clear when we go to watch it, but that's... Because Strachan was... Strachan, I think... Maybe... Melee would be able to correct me here, but he certainly used... Sutton in midfield more often yeah. than 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 uh, than Martin O'Neill did. Yeah, well, he wasn't he wasn't around much longer after this round. After he leave in the January, I think did he, he, he injured himself in this game. Yes, and barely played right, again yeah. for him. I mean, it barely matters the lineup no. at this stage. No. Where <laughs> we all know what's coming, but I suppose we should uh, give the bench as it's only right. Boric, as we've said, Jeremy Aliadier, who was mainly famous for being the boyfriend of. Lads mag favourite at the time, Leilani. So she was. So he was. That's right. I knew there was something there that he was famous for that wasn't football. <laughs> Sean Maloney. In fact, going back to Ali Adier, he was one of the first guys as well who had one of those weird accents because he was you French, mean French, obviously. You're yeah. Racist. Yeah. <laughs> he was French, obviously, but he'd been at Arsenal since he was like 14 or something like that. So he was already starting to get the kind of London, the kind of weird crossover London French accent. It was it was quite quite strange. He went, he was very he was very quickly back to Arsenal. We sent him packing. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, we I, sent him packing shortly after. Sean Maloney, who had missed most of the previous season due to various knee injuries, I think. So I think he'd only played three games the previous season. Ross Wallace, Craig Beatty, Steve McManus and Aidan McGeady. A youthful, a youthful bench there. Um, so how, how do you think we're going to do? Any predictions here? <laughs> I, I, I mean, like, without putting too fine a point on it, and everyone listening will probably remember this game, Celtic were expected to breeze this. I don't think anyone, any of the fans knew quite what to expect, just for the reasons we, we talked about earlier. No one was particularly enthusiastic about Strachan coming in or the signings. I think Adam Virgo no signed by that point as yes. well, I think, but he was unavailable for this game. I think the fans were a bit tentative going in. Never expected what was to come right enough, but um, I don't think anyone was really sure what was going to come. <laughs> Let, let's, go, let's go and see. Oh, why are we doing this to ourselves? This is for the patrons. This is your fault, listener. It's my fault. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to it, I'll tell you. Let's go and watch a great first half of football. So, Stephen, uh, first half. Oh, for, my word. I don't know what you're worried about. Celtic now. Uh, Media Bratislava one, so ugh, look, tie still on, still yeah. on. It's look, it's it's not dead in the water, uh, and you know Celtic. You really think Celtic will come back for this? It, you were quite right. Celtic have started in sort of four four two. Chris Sutton was yeah. kind of in midfield, in not the hole. For, not for very long though. He seemed to only last seventeen minutes or Somewhere so, like maybe um, just under. Right? Aid McGee came on, but but all in all, pretty. <laughs> it, you can tell right away. Sort of something's no right here. Oh, God. It's I, very disjointed. Um, mm. The back four, especially, there's almost no closing down. Well, it goes without saying that this game is not good. It's no. not, it is not a good performance, but it's it's it was weird. Like, I meant to say before we started, actually, before we went to watch the game, it would be interesting to go back and see just how good our, our media are because we'd never heard of them going into this. We just assumed they were just another European fodder who would be mm. basically just sweep aside. But they're well worth the lead in this this half. They've been in behind Celtic several times. Mo Kamara, who is you know kind of famously one of Celtic's worst left backs of all mm. time, probably is shocking in this. Now I know it's I know it's his debut, but it, it looks like he hasn't played the game before. No, no, never. Um, he, he looks completely just just confused anytime someone runs away from him, as if they're not allowed to do that. There's a there's a, a winger, is it Vasek, mm. who set up the goal actually. He just keeps getting in behind them every time and. Kamara looks like he's he's caught someone cheating. There's right? a lot. There's a lot of that. So in the first half, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of ball watching. There's a lot of people seemingly not knowing yeah. what what their position and what they're to do is. They look like a team that's 
been fed too many instructions. Yeah, the yeah. game plan, the game plan, even from the kickoff, certainly isn't clear. In the early stages, you know, John Hartson could have scored. Mm, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, and 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 props for the for hearing a phrase I've not heard for a while. They said John Hartson was looking lean. <laughs> right, yeah, that's not what I've not heard for a while. They, they went, he spent the summer on a hill farm. A thought, hill farm, yeah, <laughs> that's a very 2000s thing. Like right, they said, Oh, he spent the summer on a hill farm. No idea if it's true or not. No idea it's true. Aren't media basically just sitting very, very deep and trying to make it difficult for Celtic? <laughs> but Celtic are honestly treating this game like like a friendly, like nah. it's, it's utterly bizarre. Something I noticed uh, during the halftime coverage was that the cha-cha slide is playing over the tannoy. I don't oh, know right. why I just like to notice these things. Do you know what my highlight the first half was, honestly? What? Did you see the massive Celtic strip ah, on the yeah, stand? Yeah, yeah. The enormous Celtic strip <laughs> yeah. on the stand. I've not seen that. I've not seen one of those for years. But that... John Hartson's spare. <laughs> <laughs> that was an absolute cracker. Um, but the, the, the thing that stood out to me for, the, for the, the first half, and we'll talk about the goal, was... How rigid Celtic were, especially in defence. The, yeah. the defensive midfield, there was no communication there whatsoever. They basically the defence were rigid. I don't know if they were trying some early form of zonal marking. Mm, they were yeah. certainly trying zonal passing because, again, you you never analyse these games the way that you do now that we do the podcast. But you're looking back and there's an awful lot of passing into space and <laughs> but but yeah. consequence consequently. Or subsequently, rather, there's not an awful lot of running off the ball. No, no. so it's a it's an absolute mess. <laughs> it's, it's no wonder our media eventually went and got the result they did because they would have been thinking, "God, we're playing Celtic. We need to stay compact. We need to stay tight at the back. Try and feed off the scraps and win win on the counter attack." Then they see how we are playing and they're going, "Eh, I think oh, we could probably." Right. Larson didn't they play for the men. I, I think we could probably pop <laughs> them. Not made it any easier by the fact that, as you said, Sutton went off after about 14, 15 minutes. I yeah. think it was more than that eventually with all the, the injury time. Basically smashed his face in. It looked so innocuous at the time, but when you look with the benefit of replays, he slides in to block a shot on the edge of the box. Lennon just happens to be there and continues sort of walking. like He kind of runs past and basically knees Chris Sutton mm. square in the face. Shatters his cheekbone, which we later so find deep. out in the the commentary. There's kind of updates because it looks really serious, and obviously it is serious to have your cheekbone, your, your whole shit broke on the pitch. <laughs> so it, it's one of those ones where it's so serious and so mysterious an injury that serious and mysterious, yeah, <laughs> so mysterious an injury that the commentary are giving updates. So we're hearing Chris Sutton has just arrived at hospital. We'll, we'll keep you posted. It's a, re- a really strange one because you don't quite know what has happened yet. It's It could be anything. Again, we'll later find out that he's he's broken his cheekbone, but it's it's one of those really worrying ones. Like the, the commentary team are all tense talking about it and all that. There was, the team sort of went through fits and starts. I think, you know, Petrov and Thompson at periods of the game were clearly getting frustrated in the first half mm, and were, yeah. were trying to make things happen. And Alan Thompson was decent-ish. But again, I'm harping on here, but the one thing that struck me was just no mobility. So no. rigid. Um, you know, and it got to the point where Alan Thompson wasn't trying to beat a man. I know it was never really in his game, but he was obviously looking over his shoulder at um, Mo Kamara going, this guy's fucking useless. And I cannot, I, I, you know, he's probably para about what's going on behind him because yeah. Mo Kamara get, kept getting caught up the pitch. Um, and like you say, he was... Eventually, as the first half went on, Art Media sort of got into the game a bit more. Celtic's game plan was clearly disjointed, and they just started targeting down that right hand side. That yeah. boy, what was his name? Uh, Vashak, I Vashak, think. Sure it was. He was, he was just right. hugging the right hand touchline the whole time, and yeah. every time he was the out ball, and Mo Kamara never clicked on it. Again, once. No, he didn't even notice him once until it was far too late. Bobo Baldi at this point is keeping everything together. It yeah. could have been more in that first half without the the use of. Or without the ability of Boba Baldi to close things down and his athleticism really get like, throwing himself in front of shots and getting there, there was a couple of times where he actually got forward. He got on the mm. right wing and a couple of times it was a bit odd to see. Um but just a final thing on Chris Sutton, it's like it's a, a really weird like piece of symbolism that it's because it was like that was Martin O'Neill's first ever signing. Give mm. or take, I think it was run about the same as Valheron, but for the purposes of this, for the purposes of the symbolism. He's Martin O'Neill's first signing, right? Chris Sutton. And he gets his face smashed in in, in Gordon Strachan's debut. It's like as if, right, forget the O'Neill <laughs> yeah. years, right? That's over. Gordon Strachan's first signing, however, is Mo Kamara. And it, <sighs> well, it's, I, it's, there's all sorts of weird symbolism going on. And it's it's just, 
it's dreadful. Look, if you can't have a sense of humour about it, fourteen years later, yeah. there's no, you know, you've got a problem. But it, it really is horrific to watch back. And you know, chances for Celtic in this first half were really few and far between, apart from. Yeah, uh, it was mostly shooting at distance. Long balls up to Hartson as well. Who, yeah. who's? I mean, Hartson was never. I'm sure he would admit never the fittest of guys at the best of times. This is towards not towards the end of his career, but he's just this is his first game back after a preseason. Not entirely sure how serious John Hartson takes preseason. So, yeah. but he's not he's not moving the greatest in this game. He's barely in the first half actually. But McGeady had come on for Sutton, obviously. He he was the sub. And uh, well, well, he was uh, kind of jogging lightly around the touchline, just waiting for Sutton to get his treatment and find out whether he was going to definitely come off. Ian McCall, who's the co-commentator at the time, mm-hmm. shows his understanding of physiology and, uh, you know, biomechanics, if, <laughs> yeah, if, if you like, um, by saying they don't really need to warm up because it's roasting. Ah! So, yes, he, he thinks that if it's hot outside, you don't really need to warm up. That's a thing. Yeah. That's a thing, according to Ian McCall. Um, Patrick, just recently appointed Patrick Doesn't Manager. Yes, as yeah. recall, it might have been Patrick Doesn't Manager at the time. It might have been, yeah, Aye. 2005. So many weird circles of life coming back. This, the Celtic chances, as I say, were few and far between. Aid McGeady, but as you say, came on, he was, he was decent enough. He had a free kick, a tame free kick into the keeper's yeah. hands at one point. I think maybe the best chance of the first half was Telford. Telford got forward maybe. and had a... A decent drive, but it was straight at the keeper. It was right in his hands. So, McGeady came on, or again, as he McCall liked to call him, insisted on calling him even after he was corrected, McGeady. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but McGeady, McGeady, I've just done it. He he was looking to make things happen. At least it's yeah. it's it's quite fun going back and watching McGeady because he's a really good player to watch. Like he's it's some of his skill, even in just. Like he's a very gifable and YouTube highlightable yeah. player, but it's even just these close control in tight situations, even if it doesn't come to anything, you know, the famous you know, the end have, product. The end product, right? even if it doesn't come to anything, he's a very entertaining player to watch. So that's been fun, at least in a a, a first half of darkness so far. Telford was getting his debut. Telford was a bit of a, a controversial appointment at the time, wasn't he? Because obviously Diddy Agat was still at the club. Um Injured for this game apparently, but also had a fallout with Gordon Strachan. Yeah, he wasn't long for this world either. He Aye. was to move on with Sutton, I think, eventually, down to Aston Villa. Telford's career took a weird trajectory. I think he was brought in at like 34, was he, when he, when he joined? I remember Jackie McNamara recently on Sports Scene, uh, Sports Sound rather, was on talking about the, the situation and him leaving. And he said that, you know, he brought in Telford. McNamara himself was about 32 by this mm. point, so he still had still had the legs, um, according to him. But Telford was uh, quite a bit older than McNamara at the time, so it wasn't really about age. So Telford must have been 33, 34 at least. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I read about Telford. This was his ba- he, was, he, was a, he was a right midfielder. This is the first game he played at right back. You know, he was like Gordon Strachan's... <laughs> was he Gordon Strachan's son-in-law or something? There was, um, that was a rumour about that? That was always the rumour. I, I don't know if it was just know. a rumour, but the, that was as strong as the... You know, Derek Ryan yeah, thing. <laughs> but anyway, Paul Telford made his debut decent enough, but his career trajectory was like useless, 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 useless. Up to the point he's about to leave, and everyone went, "Actually, he's a no bad player." Yeah, like, it was everybody's like eighth favorite footballer. Yeah, like, no one would ever. It's like Gary Neville. No one ever grows up wanting to be Paul Telford. <laughs> <laughs> so he was he was an efficient, okay player, Telford. In fact, do you know what? He was actually pretty good at times. That's yeah. that's unfair on him. He just didn't really excite anyone. I think. Zanavsky also made his debut. One thing the commentators kept saying, and I, I just can't remember this from time, was Zanavsky's on the ball. Let's see if he can show us that pace. And I'm like, is he mm. ever famous for pace? I don't think so. I don't I, think he was. I mean, certainly again, not that he didn't show any in this game anyway. No, not really. I was probably quite nimble, certainly compared to Hartson and Sutton at the time. But I think when Zanavsky signed, he was about 29 or 30 as well. Yeah, I think I, he, was, he, was, he, yeah. he was well on in his career anyway. He was established. He was, was one established. of. From memory, I would need to look into this, but from memory, he was one of these kind of brat back types who had scored loads and loads and loads of goals oh, in his little home country. Of yeah, for, and then was it Wisla? Was it? Yeah, definitely. That's who he joined Celtic from. I'm pretty sure. Ah, it's scoring record. It, it was uh, 153 appearances, 101 goals. <laughs> I mean, he's, he got 22 and 55 at Celtic according to his yeah, Wikipedia, that's, which, that's which isn't great. bad at all. Wikipedia that tends to only really be league goals, I think, as right, well. So okay. it's probably yeah, there's probably more in there in his, in his stats. But okay, he had a, a perfectly serviceable record for Celtic. I just think he didn't didn't really pull up any trees. Scored a, a crucial a winner at Ibrox mm. is what I remember in the game Roy Keane played in actually as well. So so yeah, he did all right. Um, 
I suppose we we better talk about the the, the art media goal. Only one 0 still yeah. on it. The, the ball is played through, and once again, probably pass that. I was about just, to say yeah. that the ball's played through to him is an understatement. That was that was from their own half. Yeah, just right inside the circle. A very satisfying pass to watch if yeah. it wasn't against your team. Cut out the whole Celtic team, including Mo Kamara. <laughs> How can he do this so many times? So absolutely, many times. absolutely. It was a disaster debut. I'm surprised yeah. they ever played for Celtic again. Yeah. Well, a guy we won't talk about much tonight, but a guy who I think had signed didn't get as many chances as Mo Kamara. But Dewey was hovering about the squad at this point. Didn't, didn't yeah, he? I think yeah, he yeah. was he was in by this point, but wasn't seen until Clyde, which was about maybe January or something like that. So he played 45 minutes for Celtic. And that was it. One and done, gone. Yeah. And Mo Kamara hovered around for basically a whole season. I know Celtics kind of struggled with left backs for years. Really, Ulrich Larson had left, as we yeah. covered. But really, going prior to that, you're going back to Tosh McKinley to mm. find a, a kind of decent left back. Martin O'Neill didn't really play with him, which was which kind of negated the, the use for them. But it was a problem position. I remember... You know, thinking, oh, finally, we've got a left back in, Mo Kamara is going to be brilliant. <laughs> and uh, after that, I think it was Lee Naylor. But uh, it, it was an absolute shocker of a debut. Obviously, we had Charlie Mulgrew at the club who wasn't all in the picture yet, no, no. unfortunately. Yeah, he would have been a teenager at the time, what's he, about 34? So, yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, and then you're quite right until we signed Lee Naylor. Uh, I forgot to say, it wasn't actually the right midfielder the right winger that scored the goal he cut the ball across yes. uh, for a tap in Bobo Balde arrives late on the scene but by that time far too late Hallinard I think they'd they'd just signed him I think he'd he'd made the move to our media during the summer and this was his first goal he would, mm. he would go on to get more yeah. <laughs> yeah. even tonight uh, yeah it's a, a dead simple goal dead dead simple everyone just gets there far too late David Marshall's got absolutely no chance as far as I'm aware but again it's just They've obviously identified as early as now that Mo Kamara doesn't know what you're doing, so just get in behind him every single time. That Vashek looks like a good player, right? enough tidy enough on the ball and quite skillful, but a, a total mismatch with but him just, and Kamara. Just watching this game, though, Stephen, as we said, you can tell right away something's not right. There's, and, and specifically, the defence are probably shitting themselves about Mo Kamara. The midfield <laughs> yeah. is, is very disjointed and... and and for me, it's like this old guard, new guard type thing yeah. that, that's that's not really working. Thompson and, and Hartson in particular don't seem to be really pulling their way, um, as far as I can tell in the first half. But as as a performance as a whole and as a European disaster, as this turns out to be, you're watching this game, or I was watching this game, and I'm thinking, I've seen this before. Yeah. Many, many times since. It's very, very similar to so many Celtic European collapses. You know, you're just watching it going, this isn't working. Yeah. Get to half time and, and fix it, do something. A fairly old team as well, when I actually think about it. I've not looked into the, the average age, but David Marshall aside, and maybe Petrov, who's probably in his mid 20s at yeah. this point, it's a, f- yeah. a fairly aging team. You are. I mean, you've got Sutton, Hartson, Thompson. Zoravsky, who's in his late 20s. Zoravsky. Telfer. Baldi. Baldi and Varga and as well. Valgan. It's, yeah, it's yeah, not the most dynamic of teams when you think about that as well. Two very... I mean, Baldi was fast, but he wasn't he wasn't quick. He wasn't like the most sort of agile guy. He was he was fast when he got going, as we saw a couple of times in that first half, weirdly. Um, but Varga was very much a, a standing defend, defender. Lennon, Thompson and Petrov. Petrov gets himself about, but Lennon and Thompson... No, again, it's just I'm watching this game and I'm just thinking, where where's the movement? There's nothing happening at all. Everyone's just standing there. And you can see why you can see why we started to to get the clear out because in in the January after this, obviously Roy Keane joined, but that was a matter yeah. of circumstance. But we brought in Mark Wilson, Gary Caldwell, Yeri Yarashik, Evander Snow, just replacing the, these guys and having yeah. to f- phase them out of the team. We also brought in <coughs> uh, Kenny Mel. Um, <laughs> let's say about that. Let's say about that. The better. Um, so I, a disappointing first half ends, but you're watching it and you're thinking there is an opportunity to turn that around. Here. Oh, definitely one 0 away is, isn't it that big a deal? You can still you can still get a goal. You, you would fancy Celtic to get back to Celtic Park and get a win. So yeah. if you can get if you can get away with even a one 0 defeat, two 0 defeat, or a score draw or something, all is not lost. We're fine at one 0 Really, it hasn't gone very well in the first half. It could have been more, but Celtic have. Just about survive. What was the the time of the goal? Sort of forty minutes or something. Forty three minutes. The official time was aye aye. Um, And on that, I suppose we better go and watch the second half. (laughs) Plenty of time to clock back, Stephen. (laughs) Don't know what you're worried about. No confidence. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, We didn't clock back. 
Um, that was that was that was so much worse than I remember. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I that um, is um, the chuck. I mean, this phrase they chucked it is thrown about a lot. And now I don't think they chucked it. Maybe until the third goal went in. But yeah. at that point, they de- Com- lots of them definitely chucked it. Completely and utterly shell-shocked by this point. It has gone from bad to worse. What was it? 1-0, of course, at half-time. Always not lost. You can easily claw that back. You can even survive if you manage to kind of close it out. A wee bit of game management. Just keep that. Keep it sensible. But goodness me, that second half. Obviously, we come into this knowing exactly what happened, but not exactly how it happened. So yeah. this has been the the shock to, to go back and watch. But um, I, I did notice another song uh, being played at halftime. Oh, what was time. that? I didn't know. Sunshine by Dario G. So oh. bear in mind, this is 2005. Sunshine was out in 1998 and Cha Cha Slide was 2000. You think they were number one in Slovakia at the time? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> uh, you, know you know who might not be number one in Slovakia, but he was number one in my heart? Who? Joe Vengelos. Oh, yes, yeah. I, Sh- I, showed up at halftime. <laughs> a surprise interview with Joe Vengelos. I think he was asked... He was asked who is he supporting tonight because he's obviously a Slovakian uh, native and he managed Celtic a, a few years before. And then from that, he just rambles on and on yeah. and on for about four minutes about nothing, really. He said uh, <laughs> he says he wants football to win. Uh, one thing that I did notice that he did say was, he says, it's been very tactical from Bratislava. Hmm, and yeah. I think that was him politely saying Celtic look like they've got no idea what they're doing out there uh, and Bratislava have figured them out. Something I hadn't really noticed at the time and something I maybe should have picked up on in the first half was that there's a discussion at half-time and one of those low-camera angle shots about how the lumpy the pitch is. So the pitch is a bit of a state, in fairness, <sighs> yeah. but it's well well down the, the list of excuses here. It wasn't that much a state for that peach of all the boy played right <laughs> well, through for, for the first goal. <laughs> um, other other half-time uh, notes... Gordon Smith and Derek White doing the coverage in the studio. Oh, aye. Neither of whom are strangers to a bottle of hair dye by no, the looks of it. No. Gordon Smith's hair was 2005, and that's what, 14 years ago? Yeah. Same colour then as it is. <laughs> I want to know his secret. Uh, definitely. Derek, two, Derek two hunks, White. Two Scottish football hunks. Derek White, that, Derek White Smith. is a sexy boy. He is, yeah. HBK Derek White sitting there <laughs> with one too many buttons undone. Um, more of the same in the second half. Things just started to get worse and worse. And this, again, I don't know, I, I would love to hear, I tried to find some comments about what Gordon Strachan said about the game, and, and but there was nothing tactical. I wanted to know what the game plan was. I, I, no. I don't think it was clear for the players no. because I keep saying they were disjointed, but honestly, the full game is on YouTube. Go back and watch it. The defence and midfield had no idea what they were doing. At times, Thompson and Petrov were trying to link the play, but it just wasn't working at all. Yeah, even on that, it, see if it had been just a straight, shoot out, just punt it up the park, try and make it stick to Hartson and get runs off him with Zorowski. Yeah. If it was just that all game, I would understand it. But it wasn't that either. It Even was... Thompson's passing was abysmal. Oh yeah, terrible, yeah. Absolutely abysmal. Uh, McGeady was okay. I mean, yeah. I thought, I, I thought, I, you know, I quite like Aidan McGeady and I thought he got a hard time back then and you're watching it and what age must have he have been then? No, either he'd have been young as well or maybe 20 or something maybe at that point yeah. even, even then you know and he's not afraid to take a guy on no absolutely not afraid to really take nice a guy bits on of skill. speaking of not afraid to take a guy a guy on it was about five minutes into the second half and Bobo Baldy has been on about five marauding runs down the right wing it's, it's very strange very unsettling so did Gordon Strachan actually invent the overlapping centre-halves that we hear about so much these days, or I did Bobo just lose it? I was about to say, <laughs> I wouldn't credit Gordon Strachan with much in this match. And I think, this, I think honestly, what happened in this game, there was a spell where the players knew it wasn't working. The senior players like Petrov and Sutton and Bobo yeah. tried to make things happen. When that stopped working, it all just went to sh- it just all went to shit. And what worries me, or what would worries me, I'm talking as if the game's live now, <laughs> What worried me looking back at that was you would expect things to get better at halftime. Oh, New manager, God first no, competitive I, game. Whatever he said at halftime made it worse. A hundred, oh, totally worse. There's a bit, I've taken a note here, 53 minutes, Ian McCall says, if it stays the same, Celtic would take a 1-0. Lol at that, by the way. Because obviously the pressure had started building again. Celtic didn't get a grip of it at all. No. If anything, as you say, it was worse in the second half. It was just wave after wave of, of um, up media pressure. And Eventually, I mean, it goes without saying they were the better team. Of course, they were. They mm. won five 0 but it was it was unbelievable to see just how much better they were than Celtic. It wasn't a, it wasn't a fluke at all. They they absolutely deserved every goal they got. 
Um, there, there was a, a, a good bit of skill from McGeady to set up Hartson at one point, but Hartson just kind of had it low, just got a shot, short wide. But then it's, it's already, what, 56 minutes, I think, on the clock when Armady have already yeah. they've, they've doubled their, their lead. And again, the goalkeeper, so, so simple, the goalkeeper plays the ball up the field, right? Bobo Baldi, beaten to header. By this mm. time, he's starting to sort of, I think, lose his, his way in the game a wee bit. They stumble about with the ball, no closing down of any description. They're left to pass the ball freely amongst themselves. And I, I, I looked at it between the ball and the goal. There was seven Celtic shirts to Art Media's at three or four. Right. Um, and one of those guys that was free was the man we spoke about at the first goal. <laughs> on uh, Mo Kamara's man. Oh, Jesus. The ball played through. The, the defence just incredibly static. Uh, and who was it that scored this time? Your man, yeah, Vashak. He tapped it in at the the near at the back post. Rather, yeah. Kamara, absolutely nowhere near him. Again, he seems to have completely abandoned the concept of marking if he ever, ever knew it in the first yeah. place. Yeah, I, I'm not convinced he did. Um, how can you do that so often in one game? See, even if he got desperate and started fouling people, see if he'd conceded three penalties mm-hmm. trying to mark someone. I'd have understood that more, but but see to to not learn from having just been running behind. Every single time that guy got the ball, I've it's. He, I'm speechless. He's, he's, he's singularly responsible here for three of these goals. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe like, four. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe four. Um, Celtic's best chance of the game. Um, but this point, very shortly after, Sean Maloney comes on. Uh, again, I thought Sean done quite well. Uh, the yeah, diminutive again, striker they called him. Yes, um, again, again, I liked Maloney. Yeah, a great player. Again, he came on and tried to make things happen. He was involved quite a bit from here on in, but a thankless task really. It is a, a an uphill journey. There was there was a lot made at the time about Aidan McGeady's miss. People loved giving McGeady a hard time, right enough. Maloney plays the ball through a low cross. McGeady is less than six yards out. Oh, basically it, under the bar. And right. it ends up over it. Now, there's a lot of talk. You've probably remember this, Miss. Go back and watch it. He's very unfortunate. I think as his foot is moving back to kick the ball, it bounces up in front of him. Yeah, it's uh, quite high. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I, I think basically the ball took a bounce before it got to him. But you know, for it not to end up in the back of the net is <laughs> again absolutely it, bizarre. From one angle, it looks like he's missed from under the crossbar. Yeah. Like it, it seems impossible. Now a sliding doors moment here potentially because by this point Ali Adair is on as well. He comes on for Thompson, I think. So it's kind of all out. All out attack, really, and we, we know how it went. But Ali Adair is waiting. If McGeady hadn't been there, Ali Adair probably would have just tapped it in. So if McGeady hadn't been there, Ali Adair not scores an important goal. This is only 2-0 at this point. Scores a crucial goal on his debut. Stays in the team. Stays at Celtic. Could have happened. <laughs> I mean, very different. He basically yeah. played in this game, then did nothing else. But he would certainly be remembered for having scored... Uh, he had, I looked it up, he had two appearances. Sorry. <laughs> two appearances, then we sent him back to Arsenal because he had some sort of fallout. Right. Um, very shortly after, Celtic conceded yet again, but this was the this is the pick of the goals. This was well-deserved. This is the corner. Oh, yeah. They, uh, Celtic should probably watch this today, find out how to take a set piece. They hit the corner just right across the box to the edge of the box, and your man volleys it in from about 25 yards out. Well, see, in the build-up to this... David Marshall is forced out to try and keep in a ball that's come off a Celtic player. I can't remember the exact same circumstances, but he's basically chasing a ball and he keeps it in and throws it onto the park and then comes back on and picks it up. It's never a corner, never a corner in a million years, but the ref gives it. Um, I think the far side linesman gives it. So that corner immediately leads to this goal. So they, they mm. take the corner, as you said, they clip it out straight to the edge of the box and the guy just smashes it in the bottom corner on the volley. But the... There's so much going on at the moment, at that point in time that the camera doesn't pick it up. So the corner has already been taken and the yes, guy just, the, right. it just the ball just lands on the guy's foot. So that it, I think people are still complaining about the, the corner having been given. Um, the, like you say, Celtic had a couple of chances in this game. The second half is where the best chance happened. You mentioned them earlier on. If McGeady wasn't there, Ali Adair could have put it in the back of the net. I'm going to, I'm going to put it to you though, Stephen, that he would have missed because very... <laughs> because... Just before, uh, sorry, just after this, Celtic got the pitch. Ali Adair is in a very similar position to McGeady. Hmm. The ball comes across and he misses 
from a similar distance. Yeah. Nobody mentions that because they believe in to be an absolute dud. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember I, questioning at the time the sensing signing Ali Adi. Well, not the, I mean. It wasn't like a why are we signing this guy? He's pish. He had a decent reputation down south. He was still quite young, and obviously players coming through at you know, at this point, Arsenal were a were a big deal. This is like peak peak yeah. Wenger time. So anyone coming through at a team like that, like Man United, like one of the big guns, is going to get attention. But I remember thinking, right, you've already signed Zerowski this summer. Still got Hartson, still got Sutton, still got Maloney, still got McGeady. If he's just a sort of small forward. Um, there may, may have been others, I can't, but why was uh, Craig Beatty was another one, still with them in the squad. Um, why are we signing this guy? Uh, but I remember weirdly Gordon Strachan at the time said, oh, You can never have too many goal scorers. I'm like, well, You probably can. They're going to find it very tough to score goals if they're not on the pitch. <laughs> exactly. We signed the wrong striker from Arsenal on loan that season, though. Who else did they have? They had Tony Stokes. Oh god, so they did. Who yeah. went to who went to Falkirk and scored something ridiculous like every single time yeah, he played right. he, he, the, the following season. I Tony Stokes was at Arsenal at that point, so we could have got Stokes, but we ended up with Ali Adair instead. So that goal, the volley from the corner, they had actually tried it a couple of times. Well, not tried it, but a lot of their corners in the first half were cut back to the edge of the box. This one was the first aerial version mm. of it, so they clipped out to the edge of the box, whereas the, a lot of them were just driven along the ground to the edge of the box where our media were taking on shots. But this is the first one where I wouldn't think of blaming anyone. You, no. you, don't, you don't save no. those. The guy just, like, Paul scolds it, basically, into the bottom corner from the edge of the box. There's not really an awful lot that can be done. It, it was definitely the pick of the goals. Oh, we're, we're, I mean, comfortably. You, you would give them that every day. So what are we now? Three? We're at 3-0. Three right. We're at 3-0, Stephen. But fear not. I know you're thinking, God, there's nothing else to talk about. Two more goals. <laughs> um, 77 minutes when the next goal came. So this is two goals in the space of like four minutes. Yeah. They, they scored a very simple ball played up to Mikulic, I think is how you pronounce it, marked by man of the match in my book. <laughs> um, Mo. Mo, Mo Kamara. Mo. Super Mo. The, but he doesn't control the ball, the guy. He no. spills it. By that point, I believe it's Varga closes him down. So he's got two Celtic players on him. Mostly he's, he's Mo Kamara's man though. Yeah. He pivots Sticks it in the back of the net. This is the worst of the lot yeah. defensively uh, from Kamara because he just completely leaves him. He just he's marking him at one point, and again, I keep saying it again. He just lets him go. It yeah. doesn't even notice that the guy has drifted away from him. By this point, Varga is flat-footed. He just turns the ball, kind of bubbles up him a wee bit, but he just pivots and smashes it into the bottom corner, almost unchallenged. Again, I've, Marcel took a lot of heat after this game because. I think it's mainly because Celtic had signed another keeper yeah. and everyone was turning towards, well, we should have played that guy if he's so good. I can't really fault Marshall much in this game at all. I think he was not helped out in the slightest. He was never saving that volley and every single other goal was brutal defending. Did you listen to the recent TIFO football podcast with Steve Morrison? Yes, I did, yeah. One thing that I picked up from that, and this is why I think that it was it was tactical instructions... If you've not listened to it, it's a good podcast. You should go and listen to it. And basically, it's an interview with a footballer, and they're talking about they're talking about management and psychology and tactics, but from a footballer's point of view. And one of the things he made on that podcast, you might hear him was he says they asked him, "Has a football ever gone rogue? Rogue? You know, the manager's given you clear instructions. Has you have you ever known anyone not to follow those instructions?" And he's meant no. That's that's never happened. Yeah. If you get an instruction, you follow it out. That's your job. You know, sometimes a player the Sometimes the fans will shout at you, for example, not closing down. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting bit, actually. Yeah, I know but, exactly but, what you're talking about. But the manager's told you not to close down because the guy you're supposed to be closing down is terrible with the ball. Yeah. So you leave him alone and everyone else cuts off his own. fans sometimes think you're lazy if you don't do yeah. that, despite the fact that it's your clear instructions not to do so, yeah. So, so watching this game, I was reminded of that and I'm thinking, this is why I think Gordon Strachan must have bombarded these guys. He must have said to Mokamara or whatever, like, we're zonally marking here. Yeah. This is this is your area. Anyone comes into here, you look after it. So that's why he's static because mm. the guy keeps running off him, and Mo's like, "But I'm not supposed to follow him." And then, try, and then, and then you've got someone like Bobo Baldi who eventually must have just went, "You know what? Fuck this." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I'm going to try, but yeah. that th- th- maybe I'm doing Mo Kumara. Maybe I'm doing Gordon Strachan a disservice here. But it looked like a team who didn't know how to follow the instructions they were given. Yeah, and I'd be more, I'd be more inclined to let Kamara off the hook a wee bit more if it wasn't for the fact they couldn't control the ball either. It's not just his marking, it's not just his positional awareness. There was a moment, and I'm sure it's actually involved in the fifth goal, 
where Maloney, I think, plays a ball out to him on the left and he just doesn't control a very simple pass and her media break from it. It's it's um he's just not a very good player and I don't know I don't quite know how he managed to, to make it to I mean he had he had a really good I mean really good and a decent career at Burnley yeah. and Wolves before before he came to us, but yeah, just absolutely abysmal for us and abysmal in this game. Again, Celtic tried to attack, but they never seem to have, they never seem to really make the breakthrough. I can't really remember any notable saves from the art media mm, goalkeeper. No, other than a couple of free kicks. I think Maloney had a decent effort from a free kick that didn't trouble the keeper. It yeah, just kind of went, went just by, just by past the post. The post. So no, apart from in the first half, when I, I think of Telfer having a, a kind of a drive that stung the keeper's gloves. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, not a lot at all. Um, at this point, Celtic have more or less chucked it. Art media mm. are passing the ball about it. Well, they probably can't believe what they're seeing in front of them. And if you'd ever think you'd see a Celtic team chuck it, it's basically this yeah. last goal. Uh, a big punt up the pitch beyond the defence who make no effort at all. Nobody there. No, no, it's no like effort at all. It's as if they're not playing a defence anymore. I, but it's not like that. everyone's up the front attacking. It's like they're just like what, caught watching, waiting for the, the game to right. finish. This uh, was about the 92nd or 93rd minute by this point. But in fairness to Mo Kamara, he wasn't involved this time. It was down the right. It was kind of down the art media's inside left channel. Yeah. So it just arrives over the top of the defence. Baldi eventually gets there far, far yeah. too late. And by the time he arrives, Halladar gets his hat-trick. Gets his hat-trick by smashing it through the on-rushing Marshall's legs at the near post. And it's... It's, I remember after the game you see our media celebrating with our fans like they're doing like waves like Mexican waves and all that they're obviously t- I'm sure they would have been confident going in but what a, an absolutely shocking result this this was this, for both sides this was their biggest ever result I yeah. believe like, I, they're, they're, I was on there obviously their Wikipedia page they've since changed their name this is their biggest ever result Right, yeah, yeah. Marked down. And yeah. unbelievably so, because no one really no one really expected this. This is Celtic's worst defeat in Europe since Nukatel Zamax in the early nineties, I think it would have been about ninety one, I think it would have been under Macari or, or something like that. Macari or Brady, I can never tell the two of them apart. Now you said Hal- Halinar, Hamanar? Halinar, yeah. Scored a hat trick against Celtic. I was trying to think of other players who've scored <laughs> European hat tricks against us, and I can only think of Messi in the seven 0 game under under Rogers. There was in the aforementioned um, Zamax game. There was a Hassan Hassam oh, Egyptian right. guy. I think he's, I think he may have scored four in that day. So Lionel Messi and Haaland are a good company there. Two guys, yeah. that only there might be more, but the guys I can remember that have scored hat tricks against who Celtic were actually linked with for a good while after it. That Hassan Hassan, oh, yeah. I don't know if they were ever linked with Halinar, probably. Oh, it aye. seems like the kind of thing the Scottish tabloids would do. After the game, the camera pans across the Celtic fans who are apoplectic. No wonder. Un- understandable. Like they're properly raging. And the camera lingers on them for a good bit and they're absolutely furious. I don't know why you're so angry. I'm sure Bratislava's nice. <laughs> I'm sure it's a lovely place to be where, he... where East meets West yes. kind of thing. And as Ian McCall said, it was a lovely night. It was, it was warm. It was a lovely night, I'm sure, in Bratislava yeah. for Ian McCall, but it wasn't for Gordon Strachan. I've been a manager for eight years and a player for 25 years, and this is, out and out, the worst night I have ever had. Mm. Gordon Strachan probably still, but does say on that night, that is the worst night he has ever, ever had in football. I'm not surprised, no. It's, um, it's one of the worst nights I can remember as well. Again, it's, it's a long time has passed now. It's one of those ones that, again, all we can do is look back and have a bit of a, a bit of fun with it, really. That's really what we're doing here. It's not it's not still raw, um, no. but it was genuinely like painful at the time. As I say, like, I have to talk about going back to my work and all that and having to face people with that. I can only remember, around about that time, there was that, and there was the time when Robbie Keane signed, and then we went to Kilmarnock, I think, and lost. yes. I remember the day after that being pretty painful as well because I made a big deal about how we'd made all these signings and everything was going to be brilliant. <laughs> I was up. I was up at Celtic Park on Robbie Keane's side. Is that right? I was yeah. outside Celtic Park. It wasn't. It wasn't all bad though. Celtic season ended up double winners that year. Yeah, yeah. Won the league. Uh, won the league cup. Um, like this, this sticky patch that Gordon Strachan had faced when he came in. This is obviously his first game. Didn't go well, but they were able to put that right almost immediately. They went to Fir Park the very next game. Went three one up in pretty pretty quick style. John Hartson hat trick. John Hartson hat trick. Um, and then drew four each. <laughs> Imagine like, fucking Jim Hamilton. Uh, <laughs> four each. 
in the game after that, which is two games after Black Sunday, a, a dark time right. to be a Celtic fan. And then obviously there was a very, very quick succession. There was a, a, an old firm game as it was back then. Just after that, we get pumped 3-1. <laughs> the Champions League that season, if yes. you'd like to know how things went, Art Media Bratislava obviously went on to make the group stages. Right. They met Rangers in the group stage. <laughs> That's right. Rangers failed to beat them. Yeah, yeah, it was two each. Two away. draws, yeah. yeah, I can't quite remember. They went third in that group. They went through to the, the it would have been still the UEFA Cup at that point. Yeah, it would have been, yeah. Um, ahead of Porto, actually, yeah. as that happened. There was a, a bit of glory, I suppose, if you wanted to take some reflected glory for Celtic fans that year, because that year's Champions League, although we were knocked out of it, <laughs> that was the season that we went on to see Henry Larson lift the Champions oh, League. Of course, yeah, with his... Um, game-changing performance against yeah. Arsenal all those years ago, yeah. Well, next best thing, if we're going to get pumped out of some Slovakian nomads, may as well have a former player lifted. I couldn't, you know, Henrik Larsson winning it is probably more well-remembered from Celtic fans than getting yeah. beat from Arbidia. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. A, a way to close out, I thought I'd just read a passage uh, from the Gospel of St. Neil. Oh. This is um, a page of Neil Lennon's autobiography, Man and Boy. Who wrote that? Uh, it says Neil Lennon it doesn't tell you who ghost wrote it but uh... how dare you <laughs> how dare you assume here we are <clears throat> our pre-season matches did not go well I'm not going to do the accent by the way as we were even more disjointed than usual at that time because of the number of changes that were taking place at, around Parkhead then came one of the worst nights of my entire career in the qualifying round for the Champions League in my first competitive match as full-time club captain even now to look at the scoreline sends a chill down my spine up media Bratislava of Slovakia 5, Celtic 0. That night in Bratislava, we were simply caught cold, and even the warm up beforehand was poor. See, Ian McCall told you uh, you didn't need <laughs> Maybe it was Ian McCall conducting the warm ups. <laughs> just not the sort of thing you do before a Champions League match. As each goal went in, I just could not believe this was happening to us, and by the end, we were dumbstruck with embarrassment. To make matters worse, I accidentally clashed with Chris Sutton, and my big mate was carried off with a broken cheekbone. And there we have it, Uh, summed up fairly well there. And on that, we shall end... Has this been fun, listeners? Let us know. (laughs) I've actually actually enjoyed it because it's something so out of the ordinary. Well, it's not out of the ordinary because we see Celtic every season we get one of these pumpings. But but looking back at that game that I've not watched again, it was a a trip down memory lane. Yeah, it's something different. We have done um, defeats before. Well, at least we one done, defeat we, we did at Porto, of course, but that that brings with it sort of bittersweet, sort of melancholy, like quite proud memories yes. at the same time. This does not. <laughs> there is no sweetener here. There is no chaser. It is all shot. And on that, we shall end. And we just want to say thank you for you guys who participated in the poll yes, and chose yes. this podcast. Thanks to you also for supporting us on the Patreon. If you like the Patreon, tell a pal, someone, tell them to yep. get involved. Um, but most of all, thanks for listening.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com/trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.